Blog Talk Radio. Brad, where are you? Welcome back to Incantation Nation, your podcast for the revolution. I am your encantress, Hedera Bindwood, and my trusty lead engineer, Bradwick. Say hey. Hello, good evening. Holy lateness, man. You got to jump in there like you're waiting for it. <laughs> there we go. Good job. Also joining us this evening for our weekly dose of psychobabble is my first mate, uh, Neve Laffingbrook. <laughs> did you have to think about it? <laughs> yeah, actually, I kind of did. Should I just I'm refer to you down. as, should I call you offspring number one? I mean, I am the best, so that makes sense. I didn't say that. <laughs> the number one. It's implied. I mean, number, well, you know, chronologically. Yes. Okay. You are natural. But number five. Hi, Sarah. Four... Hi, Bradwick. Hi, now. Um, we have to admit that offspring number four is giving you a run for your money. I know. He is. He is I'm just superior, superior child. Superior human being. Yeah, Thank I would you. agree. He's got better morals than me. I can tell you that. Morals? Oh, yeah. What is this word? <laughs> what is this, <laughs> what is this thing? Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you spell this? Um, yeah. So it is our fifth show. And the title of this show is A Stage of Fine Glass. And that will make, yeah, it's exciting, right? It sounds like it's got some allure. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what's this Mm -hmm. about? But it also (laughs) sounds fragile. Are you laughing, Bradley? I am not laughing, no. Someone check his pulse. Are you okay back there? I'm doing just fine. I'm not doing. (laughs) I don't don't understand. All right, all right, all right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Take a deep breath, like breath. Um, we're gonna do three sniffing blows. You ready to gather ourselves? (sighs) Come on, Bradwick. I don't hear you. Sniff. I already did mine. Oh my god. Okay, well, all of us are present now. Um, So, yes, this is show five. We are in week 31 of uh, Quarantineville, or Quarantine While, which is my silent, silent partner and housemate's favorite 
segment of uh, Stephen Colbert. I'm pretty sure she's actually got like an altar in her room to Stephen Colbert. I'm not going to tell you what's on it. It's a little strange. Anyway, uh, so we're talking about a lot this week, and crazily enough, and I use that word with love, um, we don't have any guests other than the three of us and the others because we are in the thick of the um, harvest season and we've already gone through two of our harvest holidays and the one that remains to us is Samhain and we will be having a special show on the Friday the 30th um, in honor of the Samhain holiday or um, November's Eve, if you want to call it that. Um, But it is in honor of the ancestors. Oh, and we will also be having on Friday, November 13th. So if you don't have your uh, phone calendar accessed, access it now so that you can scribble in that we're having a special show on November 13th, Friday the 13th, um, because that's when we'll be featuring our Hecatesia. I don't even know what year this is. Maybe it's the seventh annual Hecatesia. Oh, wait, no. It might even be the eighth. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, I am a very obvious priestess of Hecate, and um, on her evenings in November is when we pay our gratitudes and we talk about the dark of the year and her work as the queen of witches, um, the dark mother, And we always have a ritual every year. It will be the one-year anniversary between me and the moon um, because I did marry the moon and magic itself um, a year ago, if you can believe that. But um, also... I wanted to wish Neve and Bradwick a happy new moon. <laughs> oh, thank you. Happy is... new moon to you. Thank you, pumpkin. <laughs> happy new moon, um, Mama. Thank you, boo-boo. Um, but it's also something more important, Bradwick. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but uh, our first show was on September 18th, and here we are, and it was a new moon. Here we are, back at the new moon, so it's our first anniversary. Aww. It, that was a hesitated awe. I really don't feel like you, I, you were Okay, I don't, I, I do not think it was. <laughs> 
hesitated. I believe there may be a slight lag. It was not hesitated. Sure. I feel the likely likely here. story. Okay, Nevi, no don't way. start. <laughs> I feel like you know that her purpose is to start. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's almost like I've got this weird doppelganger thing where she and offspring number four have switched roles in the family. I mean, we are pretty non-traditional in my household, but Neve behaves like the youngest child, and Johan behaves like the oldest child. Hard disagree. Hard disagree. My complexes uh, speak to the exact opposite of that situation. Just because you are aged of mind doesn't mean you're mature. Those are two completely different concepts. I think I can compartmentalize my maturity levels. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, so anyway, back back to our anniversary. So here we are on the spot. Uh, Bradwick and Neve will last Bradwick first, and then we'll follow up with Neve. How do you think we're doing, Bradwick? I think we're doing pretty well. Like, show-wise? <laughs> show your work. Tell me why. Um, show-wise? Yeah. What do you mean, like, personally? Yeah, or are we yeah, about no. to start sharing? What's happening? Well, I don't know. Yeah. You want to we'll go around the circle? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> uh, no, I've really enjoyed uh, the past several weeks seeing everyone's comments come in. Um, it seems like we are hitting those uh, those points of interest that some of our villagers have. Uh, we're addressing things that they've been wanting to address but haven't you know, been able mm-hmm. to find a source for it for. Um, and we've been able to come in and provide that. It's been, it has been really nice to see those, those comments and reviews start to come in. Um, Agreed. And I, I mean, I've, I've just been really pleased with things so far. Where do we need work? Um, do you think we suck? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, things can always use work. Whatever you're doing in life, whatever, you can always use work in some area. Um, so, I would, I would like to. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, let's let's talk about magic. Let's talk more about that. This political <laughs> stuff. I know. I know. We got to talk about. We got to address it. It's it's the big angry orange elephant in the room, and we'll we yeah. should address it because it's going to impact us. But let's talk a little magic. What what are you guys doing? What are you feeling? What 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 do we have to do together to get things in motion? Like you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Well, first, let's do this because I got to write down this uh, note that you made me think of. Um, Neve, what is your check-in or feedback on the show? We are five episodes deep now. Um, Week 31 of Quarantine While. 
Um, how do you think we're doing? Where do you think we need some work? And by the way, listeners of Incantation Nation, first of all, thank you for coming back. But also, please do feel free to give us some constructive feedback, some positive feedback. We love requests. Give us all of that. Got it? Good. I, I do have to say, if there's yeah. going to be constructive feedback, like not in the realm of like what our politics are, but we're talking about like like podcastings and show running and whatnot, but not like you guys are immoral degenerates. Like we know. Thanks. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's you know, objectively true. I mean, objectively true. Objectively yeah. true? Doesn't matter. Subjectively um, true. Um, but what do you what do you think we're doing right Neve what do you think we need to work on that's a big question I, I mean there's so many I think there's so many layers of like what this podcast does and like our mission statement is a bit uh is a bit complex. Um, Wait, we have a mission statement? Oh, I'm just kidding. I totally... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know where we're going if we don't have a mission statement. I need guidelines. No, I Um, like it. You make a valid point there. Where are we going? I like having outlines so that I can deviate as much as I can expect myself to deviate. Um, Yeah, no, that's on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So politics, I think that we are going to, like, this is a very, I don't know if it's just a product of me getting older and paying more attention to politics than I was younger, but I just feel like politics is just, is much more, uh, not conversational, but like, it's more a conversation topic than it was uh, a few years ago. Like, before it was something that you just didn't talk about with people. Maybe I'm just in the wrong circles, or maybe it was just the fact that I was a child that it wasn't what we, it just wasn't what we talked about publicly, but now it's something that we talk about publicly and it's saturated like the, um, the social conscience a little bit conscious. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so it's, I think that, like because of that we're going to hear about politics um on each of the like each of our episodes that's going to happen and we've said in our in the mission statement that may or may not exist um that we want to offer <laughs> yeah we want to no. offer a place for our listeners to okay I'm talking <laughs> We want to offer a place where people who share our same political worries can have a place to feel validated. Um, Right. And have a place of, like, comfort. I will say, as a lead antagonist, that we need some more antagonism, that we, I would like some, a little bit more comedy in our comedy political podcast. (laughs) You want some comedy. Well... I mean, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, and there's plenty of material there. And I know that we, our goal is always <clears throat> to balance gravity with levity. Uh, I 
I think that mom, well, Hedera as like, as a concept, I think that you are very good at providing that uh, archetypal jester role, um, making fun of the king. Like the jester role that you make fun of, that, that we create like an accessibility to political ideas and um, like these like these people like Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump and fucking Pence and like fucking Pence cre- <laughs> don't don't fuck Pence don't don't do that <laughs> that is not advised blood on the first f bomb for the for the night so damn but oh, yeah no I didn't Keep realize going. that I had done that I was, no, I, I don't know it. what I was saying quality programming <laughs> we try to bring it all to you on Incantation Nation. Go ahead. Like that. You said something about I, fucking pens. <laughs> fucking pens. I don't know. I I I don't like the idea that politics is something. Politics, art, literature, any of the stuff that we consider to be like how a highbrow academia, it's bullshit. Right. And right. You don't need to have a master's degree to have an opinion about how your nation is run. You live right. in it, therefore you have an opinion. Um, and I like that our podcast and Cantation Nation, like, removes that idea that you have to be, uh, trained in a thing to, like, trained in, in politics and social goings on to have that opinion and then to make it more accessible. I just, I hate, I hate people using, like, syllable words to describe a thing so that people of lower education can't have access to the thing. I don't know. I just Ooh, note to self. <laughs> Cut back don't use on big words five with me. syllable I'm words. <laughs> <laughs> don't come no, at me. I don't know big words. I just have big ideas. That is valid. <laughs> Bradwick, are you still there? I am. I am. <laughs> Are you muted? Are I'm you still think. Have you muted yourself? He might be in the abyss. No, well, you've got a job, me, can't you? Well, no, and we when too but... many of us talk at once, but yeah. See, are, when are too you... many of us talk at once, are you mansplaining our podcast to us? <laughs> You're Neve. Oh God! See, this is what happens. This is what happens when Neve chimes in. Oh my God. No, I know. I would never. I would never. <laughs> oh, oh my ne- God! The, the Bradwick is clutching his pearls. I know. I, I did. did. I did it, Adara. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, so heard and heard Neving and Bradwick because um, I agree that, you know, while it has been a theater of the absurd um, with this fuck-show administration um, with, you know, the Cheeto-in-Chief, it's, we've never, I mean, there's a horse in the hospital. So basically, mm-hmm. we've, that was a reference to John Mulaney. I just want to make sure you guys know what I'm doing. But um, that's the prerequisite for listening to this podcast is that you have to see uh, all three of John Mulaney's specials on Netflix 
you don't really need to watch the sack lunch bunch. It's just something on there. But, yeah, Don Mulaney's a must. Okay. So, Nevi's got her requirements all lined up next to the mission statement, <laughs> which I don't know. <laughs> may or may not exist. I feel like i got to write that suddenly, but I, I, I might be able to do it. You um, don't have to do that. Bradwick can do that. We can oh, do it okay. together, smartass. Now all three of us are going to have a little <laughs> team building exercise where we write out our vision statement and our mission statement. Anything? Here, I'm writing. I'm writing it right now. Oh God, no! Oh, well, actually, it'll keep her busy. So, <laughs> um, but no, it, we. I think we took for granted. Uh, especially when Barack and Michelle were in the White House, that people were competent at their jobs. And we got real excited about there being, you know, diversity, at least of perspective. Um, And inclusion was a new thing that happened during the Obama um, administration. And, of course, there had to be political backlash for having a black family in the White House. And that upset a lot of folks who felt their grip on uh, white privilege and heteronormative um, rule of law being questioned and certain, you know, power paradigms feeling displaced, but we have sure as hell been jolted out of that comfort zone and we find ourselves in this place of painful review of how good we had it. Um, when we had, you know, competent leadership, and we don't now, uh, and we haven't had for four years. Um, it feels like 40, um, because I know I have aged. Like, I've gone through three different hairstyles. In the past four years, trying to get my own shit right. You know what I mean? It's a big deal. Um, but it's funny uh, because Neve is talking about highbrow. And I think we mix a good part of academia with gnosis and experiences in the world. And certainly you don't have to have Um, some political fluency to enjoy the show. But the fact is, until we deal with the oppression that is happening um, and the fear that is happening, I don't feel like we can adequately move on to um, lighter topics like we used to with the same lighthearted approach because none of us is in a lighthearted space. Now that's not great. 
you disagree. Well, <laughs> not to say that we don't have levity. We do have levity, and it's important to take a break from the gravity, and I mean that in all ways possible. Um, but until we can address the circumstances of suffering um, that we are facing universally, it's going to be a challenge, if not remiss for us to not see and name and hold accountable um, responsible parties, ourselves included, for where we find ourselves. I mean, would you all agree? Yes. Yes. I feel like these, <laughs> these are qualified yeses. What what do you what's your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that, Bradwick? No, I, I do. I agree that we need to address all of that. Because I mean you're right, we can't really focus on you know, the the more lighthearted things. You know, it's hard okay. to celebrate you know the um, the the holidays like like Samhain and um, I mean anything that's coming up within yeah, this time period of of just nonsense right now. It's right. hard to focus on those things when you've got this nonsense going on and your your head is constantly spinning with all these things that keep happening over and over again you've got the you've got the virus you've got the election you've got the supreme court justice like it's just a lot yeah and it takes you out of being able to be present for the other moments we should for so it's it's hard to stay present in there when you are all in on the other side so i i do agree that we need to you know, work on that before we can get to the next thing we should be present for. Well, what I was, what I was not saying, oh, wait, wait, wait. So when I said that, I wanted a bit more comedy. What I was saying was not that I think that we should ignore political conversations. What I mean is that if there is a way that we could interweave the comedy into those conversations, because I don't, like that kind of the heartache and the exhaustion that personally I am feeling is, is just in and throughout pretty much all parts of my life. And so I do want somewhere that I can like breathe deep and have some kind of like respite. And it is hard to give my all into those things when it's all when like when those are all the things that I see and hear and live. Yeah. I sometimes I do need that time to recharge. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That that was more what I was saying. I wasn't saying that we should ignore what's going on. Just like okay, everything's going to hell. Um who's really excited for Pixar's new movie coming out? Like no, it's not a thing. <laughs> By the way, I am really, I'm really excited about Pixar's new movie coming out. Side note. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. So we're gonna put a pin 
in the uh, Pixar topic. Um, but I also want to say that as three individuals who enjoy white-skinned privilege, um, it can be all too easy for white folk to gloss over the hard part because we get to do that as part of our privilege. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And you know, um, you know, being one of my offspring, that we take being aware of each other's suffering very seriously and that nothing really gets swept under the rug in this household. And if we see an issue, we name the issue, and then we discuss the issue, and we ask for the voices that are often omitted or silenced or overlooked. Um, because it is not a wholly representative conversation if you're only considering your own personal inventory of identity. And I feel like part of the mission of Incantation Nation is to understand that we are wildly diverse in um, who comes to magic, who shows up at paganism and is moved to um, sing aloud their will. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. yes. we actually picked up our uh, housemate. We kind of like seized her. Um from the community, it was for, we had an open house to offer support to each other during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, Um, in case anybody forgot about how much fun those were, yeah, and because you, you have to make space for those issues to be discussed. Um, And I'm going to, Connor Braden, I'm thinking of you in this moment. Um, In my Intro to Witchcraft class um, that I would teach quarterly at the shop, we would often discuss um, Abraham Maslow's, or Maslow, pardon me, Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. And while the upper echelons of the hierarchy of need are debatable, um, since 1943, we have discussed that you can't talk about self-actualization or, you know, these starry-eyed topics that we do if you don't have food and clothing, if you do not feel physically safe, if um, you are lacking 
food and shelter and medical attention, all of those things are huge at this moment. And so it would be remiss. It would be negligent um, to not look at the dynamics, the basic needs that we all have as humans and should all think about um, in terms of global suffering. I mean, we, we cannot act without consequence, and we are seeing the results of that play out um, big screen. It is the virtual age. Everything is documented, and we have unprecedented access to each other's victories and comedy. I mean, who doesn't love the occasional treadmill accident compilation video? I know I do. Um, but the fact is we do have to look at the fundamental reasons why magic and witchcraft exist. It is the tool, it is the recourse of the oppressed. It is the power that you reach for when normal recourses don't work, are not available to you, are, you know, you are excluded from. And right now, there's a hell lot of that a hell lot of that. Um, So we do, we are squarely sitting in politics that none of us would rather be in, but we we are at that moment. And because of Bradwick's foresight and demand that I say something, um, we have this podcast. And I mean, part of the thanks for this goes to you, Bradwick. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when I approached you about it, I was, I think I told you, like, I was sensing it. Like, I was just, it was either just my own constant worry or I was being right. super. I was in a state of um, empathy for everything. I, yeah. I could feel the people around me. I could. I was watching the news. I could feel the people in those uh, Black Lives Matters protests. I could feel the. At, was this also around the same time that the fires in Australia were happening? Because oh my god! I, I feel. Yeah, I think it was. And I yeah. had just gone through, I, I don't know, it like all hit me, like, oh, my God, everything is screaming out at me right now. Hedera, yeah. I need you yeah. to pull the village yeah. together. We are a village yeah. on Facebook of over 500 witches and, and what have you. Let's pull together and do <laughs> something, you know, and then, like, yeah. you know, so... Yes. Thank you for agreeing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, 
it, it, the fact was, if you were feeling it, um, our friends were feeling it, it, it just, it needed to happen, you know. And after Australia started burning, then Brazil started burning. Now California, Oregon, and Washington are burning. We've had, like, the Latin and Greek alphabet worth of hurricanes happening. It's it's just, you're right. There is a global cry for this cannot be maintained. It cannot be maintained. And we have screwed off and pissed on our resources and blown time and put priority on the self and neglected the whole. And if witchcraft doesn't exist to balance those scales, I don't know what does. I mean, the grand balancing of things is what magic exists to do. It names and identifies a, you know, dip from one side to the other, and we need to use ourselves as part of this ecosystem, magic system, to rebalance it. Um, But that said, we're going to talk tonight about the place of magic and naming the pathological uh, components and aspects of the world that need addressing um, and the place that the United States sits atop its, you know, 400-year history of violence and harm and power differentials. We need to talk about it. Um, so with that, we're going we're gonna to bring back some levity for a quick hop, and I'm going to ask you guys, how inspired did you feel seeing spam face McDouchebag come back from his COVID weekend retreat getaway to the Walter Reed Military Hospital, flying back on Marine One and landing on the South Lawn? Oh my God, who else threw up a little in their mouth and had to chew and swallow? I'm just taking a, a poll. No one? No one. Um, no, I I was uh, – does laughing count? I was laughing. I shouldn't have been laughing. That might be rude. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> uh, you know, the whole – that whole thing it was him landing back at the White House and walking up the steps was for him to showboat and say, like, oh, I'm fine. But, oh, bro, clearly – Clearly, you had a little trouble breathing coming up those steps there, <laughs> sir. Like, you're going to sit there, and, and I watch your mouth puffing air. Like, you, 
you think you're fooling everyone? I, no, I'm sorry. So, yes, I was. I may have giggled. I may have giggled. I, a chuckle. No, oh, a I, snicker. Listen, I was rolling because my man was totally, he was wearing a waist trainer. I'm just going to say it. You know, he was wearing some type of, like, you know, chest cover like they use in the film industry so you can't see the chest heaving, labored breathing. But please, when that bitch was climbing the stairs to get to the Truman balcony, I was like, hold on, Aaron, he's going to drop. He's going to drop dead right here or maybe even (laughs) on the stairs. I was getting excited. She brought me something to drink because I needed to calm down. Um, But, I mean, did you see what I was seeing? Did you not see what I was seeing? I didn't oh no! I, I see saw what it. you were saying it. just because oh, I haven't seen this photo. What? No, I'm sorry, Bradwick. What were you saying? Oh, here we go. Nope, I'm good. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, first of all, he was wearing a little bit too much barbecue sauce. Can we talk about his makeup? Where's Megan Deputy? Can we talk about spam face? McDouchebags like barbecue sauce. It had to be a quarter of an inch thick. He was looking a wreck. Was he not? I didn't. I don't know. I haven't seen this photo. Good job, Bradrick. Yeah. You're not Bradrick. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for for those of you who don't know, I saw him climb those stairs. He came around and stood in front of the wrought iron balustrade on the Truman balcony and I launched into Ava Perel. Don't cry for me, Argentina. You know, and my housemate literally pissed herself, so maybe we should wear boys undergarments for situations like that. Anyway, um, but I no sooner had I said, oh my God, he's gonna start fucking singing, you know, Vita's song. Where's Madonna? Because I really would much rather, but seriously, for those of you who don't know who Ada Perone is, just go look it up. Argentina is a clue. Go look it up. It's in the thing. Um, but it was it was just a theater of the absurd. And then we learn later that he's shooting a commercial of himself for his, you know, heroic return to the White House after his not-so-scary COVID issue. And then says, it's nothing to be worried about. Um, don't be afraid of it. And I don't know if I was the only one that dissociated because I never more than in that moment wanted to, like, jump through the Chromebook and throttle him. I don't know. Is that just me? Is that too much? No. Uh, I think it's just right. 
right. Bradwick? Bradwick? What? Yes. Seriously, check his pulse. I think something is wrong. He's in the booth by himself. I don't know what's going on. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So it's lonely. It's lonely. Don't be lonely. He's still single, everyone. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's me processing Trump's bullshit. But also, can we talk about the debate? Can we talk about the debate? Just for... Oh. Just for oh. Oh wait wait wait! Go ahead. I don't I don't know if I'm the ideal person for that. Okay, well that means I won't be asking you. So that's that's okay. good though. You can work on our keep working on our mission statement. Um, All right, Bradwick, <laughs> tell me what you thought of the debate, not so debate, fallout from that, and then <laughs> we already talked about. Uh, Kamala and Pence last week we gave special mention to the flies we already covered that but then we had the debacle the debacle of last night's um, whatever the hell that was like dueling banjos it felt like (laughs) Um, (laughs) do you know what I'm saying like one's on ABC one's on NBC One's talking nothing but trash. Joe Biden's over here making friends for life. I mean, what are your <laughs> what are your reflections, Bradwick? So I I wanted so bad I didn't even catch either one of them all the way through because <laughs> I wanted to very much watch wanted to very much watch Grandpa Joe. And and just have him listen and 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 or just tell me stories that I want to hear all night. And then I really wanted to see what was going on with the dumpster fire next door because everyone likes a good road show. And I just like yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. The the little bit I did catch on NBC, um, right? I told I told my parents I said you I have a really good feeling that uh, Trump decided oh. Hey, Biden's doing his own thing. I want to do my own thing too. Who's gonna have right. me? And I'm sure. Right. I'm sure they approached NBC. I'm sure they said, "Hey, NBC, we're gonna give you some money." And I'm sure they said, "Oh, all right. You wanna you wanna play for an hour? Okay. All right. Guess who I gotta? Well, I'm gonna get to ask you some questions." And she she <laughs> did such a good job because she was like, "Really, really, you're gonna try to say that?" Like I just. It was really funny to watch him say the things he said, and have his. I, I, I'm forgive me. I forget her name, but um, the one that oh. the woman that was okay. asking him questions, she Savannah. kept him in check. Savannah, yeah, yes, she Savannah, kept him in check. Savannah Guthrie, yeah. It, it was a stark Ooh. and difference between um, Charles Wallace from Fox, um, not Charles Wallace. Is that right? No, what's his name? Chuck Wallace? Shit, I don't know. Yeah, see, it was such a mashed potato sandwich of a non-event because he was such a crap moderator, whereas I would have Savannah Guthrie'd all over his ass. Like, she was hitting the brakes every time he spoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about, like, um, I don't know yeah. who it was. 
it was so- someone mother or grandmother maybe both was up there <laughs> and when she came to ask her question it suddenly became an episode of the bachelor and she, yeah. did you do you remember that no go ahead no Tell us what you oh saw. well Tell no she got saw. up there and she said oh she just said, you know, oh, you're very handsome, Mr. President. And when he goes to answer his question, he tells her that he, she's the most, like, beautiful one in the room or something. And I was just sitting there like, you guys, this isn't okay. I, I, I think that's when I blacked out or threw up in my mouth and had to chew and swallow. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> that may have been when that happened. Although it did happen a couple times. It's kind of like you end up realizing you've only watched 70% of the debate because the rest of the time you're blacked out or, yeah, too much. <laughs> it's really just disgusting. <laughs> so that aside, so that happened um, last week. And it, I realized after watching it, you know what? We need to talk about pagan mental health so Mm. I jump online and start asking questions and I pose some questions to the villagers in Village Laughing Brook and threw some questions onto other folks pages about you know what is the need for uh, pagan and witchcraftian therapists And I'm not saying non-practitioners that counsel practitioners. I'm talking about card-carrying, licensed, pagan people, witchcraftian practitioners, occultists, who also, for their vocation, um, provide pagan therapy above and beyond rituals or honoring the status or the aspects, but real um, talk therapy kind of services. And so I'm happy to announce that I got a really gorgeous group of folks set up for uh, next week on the 23rd. So we're going to be speaking with a few pagan therapists on mental health issues within our community. <clears throat> so don't miss that um, because we are all suffering um, and going through stuff. Uh, we're unemployed. We're afraid. We're possibly grieving a loved one. And it's nice to know that there is a licensed pagan therapist um, out there, at least, who are usually at this point willing to um, do either teleconferencing with you or phone therapy. Um, So please do tune in next week to Incantation Nation for our sixth show 
where we will be talking about um, pagan mental health issues, witchcraftian mental health issues, and hopefully um, I would like this to become a regular feature, a forum, a round table, if you will, on the Witching Hour Spellcast, which is the station that <clears throat> that our podcast belongs to, alongside of, <clears throat> pardon me, The Witches Next Door with Gwen and Phoenix, who are two of the licensed um, therapists. I'm not sure what they're called in, in the U.K., if it's therapist or, you know, because they've got different names for stuff. Like lawyers are solicitors over there. It's just, they got names. What? <laughs> but, yeah, no, true. These are real words. Um, so, I know, it sounds like solicitous, like prostitution type thing. And it may be. I don't know. But we're going to have Gwen and Phoenix to also share our station, uh, the Witching Hour Spellcast has Gwen and uh, and Phoenix's show, which is The Witch Next Door, along with Jason Mankey's show, which is, I always want to say whiskey, witches, and wit, because the whiskey comes first in my mind. I don't know. That's a thing. And then there's um, Pam It's Porch, which is Pammy's show. Um, But I wanted to be sure that people know that we're doing the thing. We see you, um, we hear you, and we want to give you, um, we want to plant it in your head that you do have resources and that this is a need um, because it's true that pagans and witches cannot be the full scope of who they are in traditional therapy because we have different sets of experiences and values and sometimes completely different magnetic north, if you know what I'm saying. And where judgment would be cast on our penchant for getting sweaty and dirty at festival, um, we see that as a proper and healthful way to be who we fully are in our agricultural cycle, in our moon cycle, in our self cycle. Um, there's a value system difference. And if you haven't thought about that, um, I would encourage you to think about that. Um, Now, did you or Bradwick have any comments to any of all that? What do you think? Is it a good idea? Are you on board with it? What? Well, yeah. Okay, good I job. Don't know. Right. I, I don't I don't know a single pagan. I don't know a single witch or anybody in the community that is neurotypical. Just just putting that out there. Like I don't I don't know I don't I don't 
Yeah. I mean, we're on the hedge, man. We're on the margins, and that's that is the nature of craft. It is the nature of not being part of majority culture and mainstream. Bradwick, you're relatively new to the scene. What are your thoughts about transitioning from a secular Christo, I don't even know what to say, uh, religious beginnings to a pagan lifestyle? Would you say that you see huge differences in what is called, you know, worthy of therapy or something that is, you know, I don't want to say defective or aberrant. It doesn't always have to be deviant, but needing support looks different in the pagan witchcrafting community than it does in the communities of Abrahamic faith, be that Judaism, uh, the Muslim religion, and Christianity. What are your What are your musings? Your cursory glance at that. Well, um, I will preface this again by saying I am still. You know, new to this. I'm still coming into a lot of things. Um, so some of what I might say, again, as a reminder to our listeners, some of what I might say might not make sense. I'm, I'm <laughs> learning as I go. <laughs> you might hear me say something you're going to say to yourself, God, Jesus, what is he doing at home? I don't think he's doing things right. But <laughs> he's, that can... <laughs> we don't allow self-deprecation. So don't do that. Yeah, no yeah, self-loathing. Okay. 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 It's left right. over from the previous doctrine. Um, so yeah. yeah. I and with I, I do I do see as I grow into my new set of shoes here. Um, I I do realize and find myself needing different things than I did before. Um, the support that I would have gotten in my previous um, faith would have re- mm-hmm. come come in the form of making sure you go to church on Wednesday and Sunday, making sure you go and do the sacraments, making sure that you go to confession if you did something wrong, getting down on your knees and, and praying whenever you know you you need the help or seeking religious counsel from one of the, you know, um, the, the priests or, or, or bishops in the area or what have you. And mm-hmm. transitioning into the, into the paganism aspect of things for, for me, it's a, mm-hmm. almost overwhelming because like I have all of these <laughs> questions and I have all of these feelings. I'm like, okay, wait a yeah. second. Should I do this or should I do this? Am I doing this right? This feels maybe like I might be wrong about this or, you know, and then I suddenly, I, from, from, from where I come from, I do see that I have a long list of people I can contact if I, Mm -hmm. if I need to, but that list for me is also a little too long. Like I don't know who to contact for what. (laughs) 
And it for me, right. it's, it's hard to understand, like, you know, uh, like, I might contact Megan Deputy if I need help with something from the old way. I might contact yeah. someone different if I want clarification about um, a, a, a newer way of things. Or, or, or if I'm, ooh, another good example is our um, Turn the Earth page that branched off from the village. I would contact someone in there if I'm looking for something more of a hedge witch thing. So I'm grasping with like where all of my resources are so that Mm -hmm. when I do have an issue, I have a good map Mm -hmm. to look at and pull from. So I'm really excited for next week's show too. um, Cause I'm, I'm excited to hear what they have to say and how they can help and and stuff. So. Yes. And people can still um, contact us. And like I said before, if you have questions or if you are yourself um, a licensed social worker or a licensed therapist or have a uh, doctor of psychology or a doctor of psychiatry degree, um, by all means, please do either jump on the Incantation Nation Facebook page and message us, um, or you can always shoot us an email at IncantationNation2020 at yahoo.com and um, offer yourself up as a guest on the show. We would love to have you. Um, Or if you have a a question that you would like to deposit with us um, that you would like us to ask um, with the safety of anonymity, because some people are not, out of the broom closet with their um, paganry or with their witch identities. And some folks aren't comfortable asking for help with any type of emotional or psychological or psychiatric issues. Um, So I would encourage you all to volunteer your questions or volunteer your um, guestship. Would you say that? No, that's not even a thing. All right, scratch that. But um, I would love to hear from you. Bradwick would love to hear from you. And we could feature you next week on the 23rd. Um, What else? I feel like I'm missing something. No. Okay. So, on with... So, what happens next is that I do a little self-check because it occurred to me that we have people in our listening audience who don't know about Um, Village Laughing Brook or why we are even named that or they're not aware of Volunteers for Laughing Brook which is our volunteerism page 
and they don't know that there is a fiber arts collective called the Order of Arachne, and that is for folks who practice the ancestral art forms of weaving or crochet or knitting or needlepoint or uh, yarn spinning um, or any type of fabric arts. And as Bradwick has alluded, there's the Turn the Earth Garden Arts Collective, which is given to um, growing things, gardening, indoor gardening, apartment gardening, um, uses for different herbs, spices, botanicals, roots, all that good stuff. Bradwick is in a constant state of posting on Turn the Earth. You can always get moment-to-moment snapshots of what's growing in his (laughs) bay window. Um, But we have um, folks from all hardiness zones (laughs) on uh, Turn the Earth. But we we also have... um, botanical and herbal witches from the U.S., from Canada, from the U.K. So we've got quite a large um, and diverse group of folks represented. But those are some resources um, that pagans and witches and herbal craft type folk Um, can use and access. Um, And it also occurred to me that there are folks within Incantation Nation, which is the leadership, uh, pardon me, the listenership for this podcast, who are um, not members of Village Laughing Brook and have never been to the shop that made all of this possible, um, which opened in, at Maybin, uh, September 22nd of 2014, and its name is Laughing Brook Spellcrafting and Ancestral Arts. And what started out as a mercantile of all pagan made, witchcrafty and made, um, ancestral art forms and supplies and books um, for ritual, for study, or for what have you. It was basically a one stop shop turned community center um, and gallery um, for the pagan community and it was insane how quickly grew um, because while I knew there was a need for high quality pagan and witchcrafted items I didn't I underestimated how much we needed each other as far-flung solitaries or 
witches who didn't know that there are events in their areas and that there is a network of um, pagans and witches locally that you didn't have to just meet up at, you know, a coffee bar or rent a room. Uh, Why, that sounded wrong. Let me back up that truck. What I meant was (laughs) that there was a place for us to congregate and share each other's company where we could be fully ourselves. And so once that occurred to me, I realized I needed to go back over who I am and what those resources are in the natural evolution that this process has taken from Laughingbrook spellcrafting and ancestral arts where many, many, many of us have met. I'm pretty sure we have 4,000 followers on Facebook, and that created a, uh, a village because I would not refer to pagan people as customers because that's insulting. It turns It turns us into, like, this transactional community, and that's not who we are. We are villagers together sharing space and fellowship and circle together. And villager just felt more like what we wanted to create in the world, if that makes sense. And I was sick of having witchcraft and witchful arts and ancestral art forms being commodified into a thing you could buy. And we all know what happened when Sephora made that mistake of putting out a starter witch kit. That was an issue. And they had their heads ripped off and put on a pike next to Ned Stark, if you know what I'm saying. Basically, winter came for them. So Sephora Sephora figured it out that this is movement enough to want a nation. And so here we are at the podcast, and I've never gone over who I am, and how I think I'm qualified to have this conversation. Um, So I wanted to do a little king and share with you all that I am originally from New England. I am from Massachusetts, which is largely considered the birthplace of colonial magic transplanted from specific areas of uh, Britain to the Northeast and the Eastern seaboard um, mixed in with several immigrant populations 
that has never stopped coming in through the ports of Providence and Boston and um, Philadelphia and Ellis Island, New York, um, along with the African slaves who were brought here and shackled without consent or choice in the matter, and the marriage of those things um, in what is New England colonial craft. So I am from there. Ancestrally speaking, my family is from Sicily, which is where you will hear far too much about Mediterranean magic from me. And the other three grandparents I have are from Appalachia, specifically Bluefield and Beckley, West Virginia. And I am a second generation. I believe that Neve told you a couple weeks ago that she identifies as third generation. <clears throat> and we practice both the folk magic, folk healing um, from my mother's people, as well as heavy doses of Mediterranean magic as it mixed together through this insane blend of military service. Because my grandparents and parents met uh, having enlisted for the same reason, which was to escape um, poverty and isolation. I mean, if that right there isn't witchcraft, I don't know what is. Um, but regardless of military um, allegiances, it was a way for people to escape their circumstances and find a different world out there and become versed in it. And so I was raised in New England. Um, I am the first person in my family to go to college, a four-year college, and I kind of overdid it because I got addicted. Let's just say I loved school. Um, I got a double bachelor's degrees in Hispanic linguistics and cultural anthropology from Mount Holyoke College in South Hadley, Massachusetts as a scholarship kid. Um, Went on to, uh, well, wait, no, two, I got a double minor, I know, it's it's just too much, isn't it? Double minor in classics and comparative world religion. So you can see where this is going. So we've got anthropology, religion, the classics. So we're talking ancient Greece and Rome, um, plus Hispanic linguistics, because besides England, Spain was another colonial superpower, and for me to have a true understanding of social justice education, 
I had to have working knowledge, proficiency, fluency in both the mind of the colonized and the mind of the colonizer, if that makes sense. And so when I started the shop, uh, back in 2014, Laughing Brook Spellcrafting and Ancestral Arts, I wanted there to be a strong art component that reflected all of the ways in which our people have shown resilience and self-reliance, but also beauty and creativity and self Um, which is why I named the the podcast Incantation Nation because although we are a nation of people from diverse backgrounds, the tool we have in common and indeed our most potent tool is our voice. It is our vocals. It is our vocation, the thing that we must speak aloud at full volume. No matter who tries to shush you or silence you. And so incantation being the singing of your will into the universe. And that that is your tool. It is your instrument. You are the altar. And your voice is the thing that you wield that no one else can. Does that make sense? I hope so. I hope it's hitting some marks here. But I wanted to say this because I wanted listeners to understand that I'm not just talking out of the side of my face, as my mother would say. Or wait, no, honestly, to be fair, I do talk out of the side of my face sometimes. And I laugh at my own jokes. I think I'm funny. Sometimes other people think I'm funny. Where is Christina Salazar when I need her uproarious Laughter. I mean, like, we need some, like, laugh tracks. Bradwick, can you laugh for me? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was, that was bad. <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. That was, that, that feels really, uh, yeah, that was, that was good. We'll have to have you back. Um, so... My master's degree was in social justice education, um, where advocating for equality was given a real toothy edge for me. Um, Teaching and lecturing just was not enough. I needed to have a degree in advocacy. And we talked about that in earlier episodes, that even an advocate is someone who speaks with a loud voice. It comes from the word, you know, ad, voce, and ad meaning at. 
and voce meaning voice, at full voice or with full voice. And so advocating for equality was given a real toothy edge um, because prior to being able to get a, getting a degree in social justice, you were either an activist in a movement or you were social workers or even pro bono lawyers who um, did public work or were in related fields. And that's where my academic background is, which practically speaking, I've been practicing for 38 years. I did my first spell work at 11 years old against a bully whose uh, name I will say privately, but not on air, but nothing was done because in the 70s, there was no bullying. The approach to bullying in the 70s was suck it up. If you can't take teasing, then, you know, and, and, and so you know, suicide rates were what they were. And, you know, people would just shake their head and say, that's too bad. And nothing was ever done about it. Well, I ain't having that shit. So this is one of those break the glass moments where you realize you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution, and we all can be the solution. Um, There is a certain irresistibility of action that burns hot in the souls of pagans and witches. We are not a crowd that sits on our hands well. If we have opinions, you're hearing about it. If we feel a certain way, we're doing something about it. If we can, if there is support to do so. And Incantation Nation, indeed I personally exist, to support you and to create spaces to support you and to create context and time to support you. Because it matters to me whose voice is included and excluded. I'm not cool with there being whole segments of our community, our society, um, missing from the conversation. It cannot survive just being the voices of privilege. And I am all too happy to put on my dark Doc Martens. I like that. Dark Martens. No, Doc Martens. And take it down. Or tear it down. And I've got some friends that are needing some destruction therapy. So let's get to doing that. 
Um, but I say break the glass because it reminds me of the problem child I was and the fact that I could not pass those red, you know, what were they, like fire alarms that were mounted on the hallways of school, my primary school and junior high school. And I swear I would get super twitchy because it would say, do not break glass in case of emergency, right? And, oh, man, I would get twitchy every time I would pass those damn things because I was like, what if I broke that? Like, who would even see me? Well, I don't know. Only everyone in the hallway that would turn around and see this micro-tiny girl child breaking glass with the elbow of her sweatshirt, you know, just to create a situation. Well, turns out I'm really good at creating situations, um, but they are things that need to be situated and sorted. Um, to that end, I want to give a quick shout out to an email we got this past week, Bradwick, from Gellert Llewellyn. And uh, Gellert was asking about resources besides the podcast. Um, And he did say thank you for our show, Bradwick. He loved it or is loving it. Um, But he also asked, for other resources. And what I'm going to try to be mindful of with every episode is to give, like, interweb resources, print materials resources, as well as um, human resources and contact points. So if you have a resource or need a resource, um, we would love to hear from you. But in terms of activism, Mr. Llewellyn, Gellert, my friend, um, I wanted to give you guys a couple of book titles, and I will put um, photographs. Is that old-timey for me to see, to say photograph? I will put images of these book covers on the Incantation Nation page. So that you all could, for those of you who are straddling the uh, atypical groups of um, autism and dyslexia, um, there is there will be images of these covers on the Incantation Nation page on Facebook. But the first title is Becoming Dangerous. And it's witchy femmes, queer conjurers, and magical rebels. And it is edited by Katie West and Jasmine Elliott. And the foreword is written by Kristen Soleil, who you may or may not know is the author of Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. How can you not love that shit? I love all of that. Um, So that's one book title. It's called Becoming Dangerous. 
Another one is witchcraft activism, a toolkit for the magical resistance, and that by David Salisbury. What press is that? I can't see what that says. Oh, I think it's Red Wheel Wiser. It might be Wiser Books for those of you who follow different publishing houses. Um, And that's witchcraft, activism. And then I have Michael Hughes' book, um, Magic for the Resistance. And that is Rituals and Spells for Change. That actually came out probably, I'm going to say, three years ago now, two years ago now. Um, But I've gotten really, really good feedback on this title, and that is published by Llewellyn. And then, I have not read this one, but it's called Warrior Politics, Why Leadership Demands a Pagan Ethos. And that is written by Robert Kaplan, who is the best-selling author of Balkan Ghosts and the Coming Anarchy. I mean, come on. That just sounds like a magnet for people like me who are ready to, like, you know, be gay, do crime. Wait, did I say that? Anyway, um, and I also wanted to add uh, a book that, I've been dying to get my brain wrapped around called On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century. And it's a very short book. What, holy shit, it packs a punch. Timothy Snyder, who I want to say is a graduate or maybe teaches at Yale. I can't remember what he said, I'm having hormonal brain fade right this moment. Um, But on tyranny, I'm fairly confident you can uh, get it on Amazon. And these other books, I'm sure you could get on Amazon as well, um, unless you wanted to go to the Llewellyn site or uh, Red Wheel Wiser or wiser books. Um, So I wanted to give those titles to Gellert. Um, I have already referenced um, our groups and pages, Village Laughing Brook, um, Volunteers for Laughing Brook, which is another group related to the Village Laughing Brook. Um, I gave you the bookses. Oh, and you know what? If you want a caustic flavored um, commentary from all things witchcraft and politics or just mental health checks, um, I'm cool with you guys checking out my personal page on Facebook. Um, My previous name, Kevin, but I fired that guy. And so Gabriella Laughingbrook, um, but you should probably look up Gabriella Tebbins Laughingbrook. It should be there. If not, then I'm missing again. Um, surprise, surprise. But I think that's it. Bradwick, do you have any 
resources that you know of or things you can point folks to? Um, I would, I'm probably going to jump back to our episode last week and recommend the writings of Robin Artisan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like Letters from the Devil's Forest, uh, again, by Robin Artisan, and the Clovenstone Workings, a manual of early modern witchcraft. Um, I'm reading both of them right now. Uh, Letters from the Devil's Forest. <laughs> It's a, At the same time, it's a daunting book. It's a big book, <laughs> big book. And um, <laughs> Megan was reading it too, and she actually, I, I was trying to read it from cover to cover, um, but I got, I got no. stuck in some, yeah. some uh, chapters about death because that's it's heavy stuff. That's a heavy topic. So I, I got stuck there for a little bit, um, but that specific text is built so that you could jump around. It's not like one fluid thing. You'll have to read necessarily chapter one to understand chapter ten kind of thing. So like if you need to take a break from one subject, you can jump to another subject. So that's I like that one. And then the Clovingstone working, that's his newest one. Um and I am finding a lot of substance in that too. So I, I would recommend both of those. Cool. Um, thank you for that, because those are both really, really good books. Um, and you're right. I mean, Letters to the Devil's Forest is, I mean, you get your money's worth. Um, it's jam-packed, full of current-day um, relevance. I mean, it, it, it bridges... The the history of craft with very personal modern applications of you know what can you do with this ancient land and these ancient arts in a modern day context. I mean it's. It's just amazing. I think Robin is a hugely impressive author. Obviously, we named, you know, a study group after one of his books. So, I mean, there's that. Um, But, yeah, we'll think of more stuff. We'll put it up on the Incantation Nation page. Now's a good time uh, for folks to take a potty break if they need to or light a candle if they need to because I'm about to bring us into a super liminal space we'll say so if you need to do that if you can sneak off to like a darkened room in your house or kick people out of a space and then make that the darkened room in your house. Where's Neve? Is she still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Hi, Neve. Were you sleeping? Hello. No. No. Okay. So, basically, 
in three minutes or less, prep people for how I do the swimmy thing, the like, the ritual thing. Uh, you can do it. I believe in you. Okay. Um, so Go, if we're doing, so we're, thanks, Bradwick. So we're doing a guided vis, if I'm correct? Kind of, sort of, yeah. We're doing some conceptualizing. Okay. So I feel like to preface, uh, what we're going to do. So we're going to do a, a, a proxy guided visualization. Yeah. Before, the, before the shop ever opened, um, mom and I would sit in whatever part of the house. It was usually the dining room table at 2 a.m. And because we would independently want midnight cereal. And so we'd <laughs> come downstairs to find one one of us already eating cereal at the dining room table in the pitch blackness. Um, And so we'd sit and eat cereal together and we would uh, just talk about whatever was on our minds. And because it was 2 a.m., we were eating chocolate frosted mini wheat. Yeah. Um, Like our conversations would get weird. And I mean like philosophically (laughs) weird. They would get weird. But like, it was it was more like stupid shit, like hot takes on why buttered bread falls butter face down, like just just absolute right. um, like just weird weird topics, and so things would get weird, like W uh, Y R D. And so <laughs> what we're going to be doing. If anybody has ever had a guided visualization, either provided by Hedera or by another person, um, mom does it best, so stop seeing whoever you're seeing. <laughs> um, and what we're going to be, do- what we would be doing is mom's going to, uh, Hedera, I should start calling her, is going to walk us through, uh, visually, she's going to walk us through a scenario of some sort or an environment, and we create for ourselves what, like, whatever journey that we need out of what she tells us, what she says to us. And it's going to be something vague so that we can create the environment for ourselves and create that story for ourselves, whatever we need in that moment. But I, it's, it, it shifts and it changes. So it's, it may start out with an outline, but we don't do Scripts here, right? So we'll see. We'll see. We will. Well done, Nev. We're gonna oh, okay. shift the this bitch. Um, sure. But be- because we have twenty minutes left to the pod, um, I'm gonna make sure that you get the punch of what I'm delivering. So you get the, the full message. Um, and what I would like you all to understand is before you go criticizing yourself in this bleak damn chapter of... <laughs> 
American living in history. I need you to understand that you are enduring and you don't get to say you can't do it, whatever it is, because you're already doing it. I mean, I'd like to point out that we are all here together. You have given yourself this podcast. You did that. I didn't put you here, although I wish I could. But you put on your own path the resources that you know you need to move to the next level of you. And that the only thing you owe the world is the fullest expression of yourself. That's what you owe. No matter if it's inconvenient to others or not. We need you to be you because you are an ancestral art form. So hold that in your head for a moment whilst I spin this web. So My father, a little immigrant kid, born in Chelsea, Massachusetts, not too far from Salem, was the child of immigrants. And they came in through Providence from Sicily, from Messina, Sicily. And he was the oldest of four. His parents met at a USO dance, my grandfather was career Navy, and my father was born on the 4th of July. The little firecracker is what my nonna, uh, my nonna's parents, Placido and Caterina Sindoni, would call my dad the little firecracker because he's tiny. But that little firecracker, without ever going to college, became an aerospace engineer for NASA. And he was part of the lunar module building. He was part of the shuttle program. He built the escape module for the International Space Station and worked on the Mars rover. You name it. My dad worked on it. And he never went to college, barely graduated from a Catholic high school. But where my mother gave me the streets, my father gave me the stars. And one of the first lessons he taught me was about the four dimensions, that you could understand where an object was on its location, where it was 
on the x-axis, the y-axis, the z-axis, and the t-axis. And you're thinking, this is not a good guided vision. This is more about you finding yourself drifting in the middle of space. And it's black. And it's starry. And say I told you that you would see a solstice floating in the middle of space. But you have to go find it. Naturally, you would ask me, well, I'm going to need coordinates for that which is where I would give you its length and height and width. But those three dimensions of where you could find it in space do not tell you what you need to know to find this fully decorated yule tree in the middle of space because I haven't given you the dimension of time. If I tell you too soon, then it's not there yet. It is still a tiny seed buried on earth that hasn't grown into a tree. If I tell you too late, it has already decayed or been smashed to smithereens by asteroids. So the fact is you don't just need to know where it is. You need to know when it is. And as witches, we have to think about the when of where we are, not just where we are. And as I have said to Bradwick over the past few months, it is by no mistake that we find ourselves together. Witchcraft is the confluence of location and time and where we are in our personal process. But I also want you to understand power that you have. You are the evidence of success. You are a spark that has been successful successfully carried forward for millions of years, unbroken, uninterrupted, from mother to offspring over generations and eons of time. And I say that because there have been millions of years of opportunity to get this wrong, 
to break that line. But it's not. You are here. And you steward a spark, an ignition, that when given a stage, a place, you can catch fire and you can create a moment within a moment, which is what we share together every Friday evening. We create a time that is beyond time. We join in a place that our ancestors could never have conceived of. We're together listening and sharing the same time and space without physically being with each other. Isn't that magic? You are one of the innumerable sparks in the sky. With that, I want to read a a piece that I wrote. It is the favorite of my beloved coven mate, Amen Morningstar, my brother. It is called A Stage of Fine Glass. All saw you for true in that polished glass room, dressed in false man's clothes. None caught up in your verse. Each phrase made it worse. Your script ricks in of true throws. Each act lacked care. The flesh brought to bear, which maddened the hounds most starved. The ark ill-conceived told far worse indeed. Footing and failure was carved. If it's uncarded wool that's pulled from your spool, will be found by long-learned eyes. Yet it quickened my gaze through the consequenced haze, how crystalline clear your lies. Most enwrapped had I sat, and watched what you spat was a story unlived holds no shape for instead what you craft grand charlatan daft was the ligature round your own nape as an actor well thought as a writer you're not to the finely coaxed disbelief lose track of the tension and lost is suspension from critics you'll find no relief one word of advice a man besieged by clear vice ought study and know the piece fast 
For what's real will be seen, and what's false swept clean when played on a stage of fine glass. Peace was written years ago, but I'm going to dedicate it to Donald Trump because I'm feeling like we're having a break the glass moment and we all should raise our voices and not resist. Take your elbow and shove it into that fire alarm on the wall and declare that this is not a drill. You are here and you are in this moment. It is time. And if you want to correctly steward your spark, grab a baseball bat because it's time to break the fine glass. And with that, I can tell you without doubt and with firm conviction of my voice, you are loved and necessary and you are a success and there's work for us to do. Till then, thank you for listening to Incantation Nation. We hope that you will raise your voice with us next week Bradwick, take it to bed.
Make it. 